0: All right, well, good morning, Three Circle. Great to be with you guys today, all of our campuses joining us and online joining us right now. We're going to continue our Traditions series today. Every Christmas, we uh, celebrate We all celebrate, right? And what we're doing uh, this Christmas here at Three Circle is kind of finding some of those things that we all do and see the meaning behind it and seeing how we can inject it with meaning and and redeem those things to the glory of God. And, And that's what we're doing. We started last week with decorations. Why do we decorate? We saw that John the Baptist used what we called verbal decorations. And he said, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we celebrated that last week. Well, today we're going to look at the idea of lights, lights, and we're going to celebrate today that Jesus is the light of the world, and we're going to celebrate the fact that there is great meaning behind the lights that we put up. Now, I don't know about you, but we put up lights at our house all over everything that you can imagine. If you walk too slow by our house, we may put lights on you, you know what I mean? And uh, we have these stars that we put in the sawtooth oak tree in my front yard. i risk my life every year climbing all over this tree to get it done. And, uh, this, this last year I put my stars up, big stars that we light up, had to run all these extension cords all through the tree. And, uh, last year I got my son to take it all down and it was a glorious thing when I came home and it was all down and put away. And so the year goes by and last week, uh, one afternoon I put the stars back up. So I go and I get the stars and then I'm like, where I can't find the extension cords. Where are the extension cords for the stars? I look in the attic. I look in all these boxes. I look all over the garage. I cannot find the extension cords. And then I walk out in my yard. I look up in the tree, and there are the extension cords, still in the tree, still wrapped in the tree. And uh, but by by the grace of the Lord, those those wires still worked a year later. And mentioning to him, he was just like, "Well, you know, I mean, that that's what I meant to do, Dad. Right? That's that's how I meant it." So. We all put up lights and we do it appropriately. Absolutely, we should have lights because Jesus is the light of the world. In the 1800s, a famous, a future famous author, Robert Louis Stevenson, writer of Treasure Island that many of you have read and many other books. Well, he was a pretty well-to-do little kid from a pretty wealthy family. lived in Edinburgh, Scotland. And when he was a little boy, he recalled this event and his live-in nanny wrote it down. Uh, he's standing at the big window in his house looking down a pitch-dark street in Edinburgh, Scotland. It's totally dark. And as he's standing there, a light pops on. See, in Edinburgh, there were these guys who would climb a ladder up to every single lantern and every single lamp on that street, and they would light these lanterns. In fact, the guys in the back are going to show you a picture of what that looks like right now. And as he was looking down this pitch dark street, and looking at the darkness, one by one, these lanterns started coming on, and then a few minutes later, another lantern would come on, and what was darkness became slowly a lit street, and his live-in nanny walks over and says, hey, what are you doing? And like only a future famous author could do as a kid, he looked at her and said, I'm watching them punch holes in the darkness, and she wrote it down. And he would recall it later. What a great way to say it. Punching holes in the darkness. And I would argue today that that is exactly what Jesus did and does. He punches holes in the darkness. We're, we're going to see that he also wants us to do the same. There's plenty of darkness to go around. How will we be the ones to punch holes in the darkness? When Jesus came, he himself, as a 30-plus-year-old man, in front of crowds of people, said these words. He made this claim about himself. In John eight twelve, Jesus spoke to them and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's very important to understand everything he said there. This is one of the great, what we call, I am statements from Jesus. When he said I am in the original language, he's evoking the name of God. The people he was talking to on that day, they would have not even spoken that. They wouldn't write all of those letters down. They didn't see themselves as worthy to write down in the original language the terminology I am. Ego ame is what it looks like in the original language. Yet Jesus stands in front of them and claims that he is the I am. And we all wonder, why in the world did they kill Jesus for saying stuff like that? And when your little professor at college says to you, Jesus never claimed to be God, just say, except like 40 times. Here's one of them. He says, I am the light of the world. You know, there's extroverts and introverts. You know, an introvert walks into a crowded room and typically will kind of act and say this. There you are, to all of you. But the, uh, that'd be the introvert. The extrovert says, Here I am. Like, extroverts happen to the room. Where an introvert walks into a room, the extrovert happens to the room and makes a statement, right? But often you look at someone who walks in a room like that and kind of sucks the air out of the room, and you're like, You roll your eyes at them. Oh gosh, be quiet. Shh, you know, that kind of thing. Jesus kind of exploded into our worlds that way. Except, he, he says something that is true. See, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That is the most arrogant, haughty, self-centered statement ever unless it's true. And it was true. He was revealing himself to us. He is, God is, the self-revealing God. And Jesus is saying, you can write it down, I am the light of the world. I overcome the darkness of the world. And that is what he did. And so that is the claim Jesus made in chapter 8 of John. Now let's go to the beginning of John. And we're going to see how John, the writer of this gospel, who was a teenager, late teens, at the most early 20s, when he walked with Jesus on the earth. He's the first guy to the tomb, to see the empty tomb. He's the only disciple to watch Jesus die on the cross in his late 60s, early 70s probably is when he wrote his gospel, and he begins his gospel talking about Jesus being the light. That's the way John begins. He's going to talk about a lot of other things, but he begins with Jesus being the light of the world. And not only that, without skipping down and cheating, by the way, I want you, in all of our campuses and online, I want you to, as we read the opening lines of the Gospel of John, I want you to see if you uh, recognize any of the phraseology. See if you recognize a, a similar rhythm that you've heard somewhere else, and then I'll show you what it is, all right? Here's what John said about Jesus in his opening sallow of John. In the beginning, well, now there's a clue. In the beginning was... The Word. Well, are talking about Jesus. What's he talking about? The Word, capital W. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Oh, now he's talking about someone who he's calling the Word. He was in the beginning with God. He's talking about Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That means Jesus is creator God. Think about that. In him was life, and the life was the, what's this word? The light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then he talks about John the Baptist. He says, now there was a man sent from God. His name was John. Not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Notice what he points out. That all might believe through him. He was not the light. John the Baptist was not the light. He just came to bear witness about the light. But the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's why I hang those stars in the tree. Because I'm celebrating who he was. Now, what we see happening here is we see that God is telling us who he is through John's writing. God is the self-revealing God. We could not know God on our own. He has to tell us who he is. We all tell one another who we are in a lot of different ways. Some of you came in today, you wanted us all to know what college you root for in football by the shirt you wore, right? Uh, it's funny, like, few about a month ago, Tennessee fans were coming out of the woodwork. Everywhere I look, man, the Tennessee, all of a sudden, I hadn't seen those shirts in 20 years. Here they come. I got some really good friends in Tennessee. They're calling me every day, right? Yeah, we tell people who are t- on cars. Sometimes we, pur- some people, you buy the car. You're kind of telling us who you are. You don't do anything to your car. You don't want anything on there. It's your car. Okay, that's kind of who you are. Other people, it's like your whole family's on there in little stick figures. Here's dad. Here's mom. Here's the kids. Here's the dog. Here's the cat, right? It's all on there. Or, or your soccer people, you put that on there or some people like to put on there these numbers and I didn't know what that was and then someone said that's how many miles they've run or something like that and I'm like they have a car why are they running? Anyway maybe that's my problem. We all tell people who we are. God tells us who he is. He had, We could not figure out who he is on our own. He had to come and tell us and he does it through this thing called specific revelation. He does it generally just through creation. Like you can't Paul, the apostle Paul in the New Testament, he says, you can't walk around outside, just any human being, you cannot walk around in this world and it not hit you right in the face that there is someone that made all of this and that he's bigger than us and greater than us. Like there is a reality and God is like nudging us, pulling us with what we call general revelation. It's impossible to look at everything around us and go, woo, this all just fell out of the sky, didn't it? And all of us go, no, probably not. It's too much precision involved, and earth tilts this way, we freeze to death, tilts that way, we burn to death. It's just precise and, all, right, we could go on and on and on, general revelation, but but he didn't stop there. God didn't just give us a, a gentle nudge in his direction. No, to all of lost humanity in our darkness, he got specific. He got specific, and he's like, now let me tell you exactly who I am. And he did it, write it down, with Jesus and the word. And the two, John puts together, and he says, Jesus is the word. And what he's saying is, Jesus is the specific revelation of God. God is saying, here's who I am in human flesh. The son of God comes incarnate into our midst and we light up our houses and driveways and churches and trees to celebrate that when he did that, the light, John says, came among us. He lit up this dark world Jesus and his word. And what John is saying is, is that God reveals himself. In fact, one of our taglines here at Three Circle is, the Bible is Jesus on paper, and Jesus is the Bible walking around. It's God's revelation in word and God's revelation in flesh. Jesus and his word. The light of the world. Now, I told you earlier that you may recognize the way John opened his gospel. He was an Old Testament-believing Jewish man. He had read the words I'm about to read to you many times. And now you may see, he opened up his line. Within the beginning was the word. Genesis 1, 1 through 4 opens up. Moses wrote these words under God's inspiration. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what John is saying is, hey, all of you folks that that his audience that he originally wrote to, he's saying, you've said your whole life, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let me get specific with you. Let me tell you who it was creating the heavens and the earth. The word was with God, verse three, in John, all things were made through him and nothing was made apart from him. This means Jesus was creator God. This means that the voice that cried out, it is finished on a bloody cross was the voice that cried out at the beginning of the beginning of all beginnings, let there be light. That's that voice. That's who he is. So he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Notice the parallels John did here for us. There was darkness. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, who said? God said, and John's getting specific. He's saying, Jesus said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. And what John is saying to us is he's saying, hey, that thing God did physically with matter and molecules and and animal life and sea life and water and and land and darkness and light, that thing he did physically with our physical world, he came as God, Emmanuel, and he does it now for us spiritually. He turned the lights on creation way back then, and now he's here to turn on the lights of human hearts. This is what he does. He does. He's the light of the world spiritually and physically. That's who he is. In fact, we could say it like this. Jesus has always punched holes in the darkness. He punched the hole in the darkness of creation. He punched the hole in the darkness of spiritual life when he came. That's who he is. That's his voice. The same voice that called the sun and moon and stars into existence is the same voice that whispered my name in Kosciuszko, Mississippi as a 12-year-old kid to come and follow him. It's the same voice. Matthew heard him say, follow me. John heard him say, follow me. Peter heard him say, follow me. Creation heard him say, let there be light. There was light. That's who we're talking about. That's who we light up our trees for. That's who we put the snow globe on the table for. It's all about Jesus. Now, let's talk about functions of light. Light, you'll find in the Bible, there's God has two realms. He has a spiritual realm and a physical realm. He's over both. He created both. And we are in this physical realm. And there are truths. There are things about the way he made the physical world that are parallel to the spiritual world. We see it in... So many ways. We're going to see it today because light functions physically in the same way it does spiritually. So let's look at functions of light. The first thing light does both spiritually and physically is it guides. Light is a guide. It's hard to know where to go without light. You need light. You need a flashlight to know where to go. How many of you have stumped your toe walking around your house in the middle of the night because it was dark? You knew where that table was. You put it there. It's been there for 23 years. But you ran right into it you didn't have any light you need light to know where to go psalm 119 105 tells us that jesus and his word lights up our lives in this way your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path folks we don't know where to go without jesus you need to understand spiritually if you wonder why the world's crazy because the world needs jesus the world doesn't know, they don't know where to go without Jesus. Do you think the world knows how to do marriage without Jesus or sexuality without Jesus or money without Jesus or anything without Jesus? We go down the wrong roads without the light. The world needs the light. The world needs Jesus. And if you're here today and you're a believer, you should thank God every day. You better believe we light up trees. We put lights on every Why? Because we are people who have the light. We know where to go. Because Jesus, we don't say that pridefully. We don't look down our nose at the world around us. No, we look upon the world around us with deep compassion and care because we go, hey, we know what's going on. You're stumbling around because you're in the dark. We're people by grace who have the light. And by the way, we as believers should want desperately for everyone who walks in the dark to be given the same light we've been given. Amen, church? It's what we want to see happen. It guides us. 22 years ago, I was a newly married guy. And I married into a wonderful family. And my father-in-law, Terry, is an incredible man, incredible patriarch for our family, and well-respected. One of the top bankers in the state of Alabama when I married into the family. Been on the governor's board, knew the governor and all that kind of stuff. He's one of those guys when you're around him, especially if you're marrying his daughter, right? You kind of want to straighten up a little bit kind of get your act together and of course the first couple of years of marriage you're hoping that they're not thinking man she picked a good one you know what i mean what in the world was she thinking so you kind of want to get it all right so we come home and he takes me hunting he said hey we've got this beautiful place to go hunting we've been invited to so and he had a green chevy truck then and so we go to this place that i'd never been to and he had never been to to hunt and the the guys that owned the place were going to take us in and drop us off and place us to hunt and then they were going to leave and just like they showed us the way out And then we were going to call them and tell them how it went. This primo place. I was super excited. So we get in the the truck. We're driving down these roads following these guys. And they stop. And they get out and they say, hey, Terry, my father-in-law, this is where you're going to hunt. And Chris, you just slide over. And then you follow us on down into the woods where you're going to hunt with the truck. And then at the end of the hunt, you'll come out, get your father-in-law. And we're good. And y'all call us, tell us how it went. All good. My father-in-law gets out, gets his gear. I say, good luck. He says, good luck. He goes to his spot. And I drive the green Chevy truck, four-wheel drive, on down the path. Okay, down this path. Easy enough. We get to this spot. It's beautiful. They stop. They get out this afternoon. It's going to be an evening hunt. And they say, okay, Chris, you just walk down this path. Head on down. You just keep going down this path, and you're going to come upon this green field you're going to sit on, and there'll be like a hunting house there. Get in it and have a good time. I was like, great, no problem. Get out of the truck, get my gear. I got my backpack with my Bible and my book and my notebook that I take with me all the time, which is why there's probably trophy deer that have walked by me because I'm reading, and they're like, there he is. He's reading. Let's come out and eat. He's still reading? Yeah, he's still reading. That happens, I'm sure. The hunt ends. It gets dark. I come down, and... It's getting darker, and I think, easy enough, I get on the path and I start walking, and I walk for a long way, no truck, no truck. I was like, huh, and then it's getting dark, and it's a, kind of a cloudy, overcast evening, so I reach in my bag to get my flashlight, and I don't have my flashlight with me. I did not bring my flashlight, okay, and so, and now it's real dark, and so I walk further, no truck, and I'm like, I did not walk this far, so now I'm like, okay, here, here we go perfect. This is just what I need. So I walk back, backtrack and I go all the way back to the field where I hunted. Okay, I'm on the trail. So I turn around. I'm like, okay. I walk the trail back and I walk forever. No truck. There's no truck. I don't have a light. Now it's really dark, like pitch dark. And I'm like, okay, what did I do here? So then I'm like, I got to walk back. I'm going to try this one more time. I try to walk back to the field and this time I don't get to the field. And now I realize that I don't know where I am. I'm in woods I've never been in. It is dark and I don't have a flashlight. And so the next thing I knew I had to do, I understood that my life would be measured by the time before I had to do this and the time after the rest of my life. So I did my best Ric Flair right there in the middle of the woods. And I said, "Woo!" And I heard nothing. Okay. So I walk 100 yards further down the road. I don't know where I am. And I said, here we go again. Because you understand, for me to do this and get his attention wherever he is, is me saying there's a problem. So I do it again. Woo! And I hear, woo! Way out in the woods. "Mm." And I'm like, that's either an owl or my father-in-law, one of the two. It's It's real dark and it's real late at this point. And I do it again. And then he and I... Do this back and forth for about 20 minutes. Woo, 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 woo. It's not like, I'm sure all the owls in the woods are like, what is going on? Who has moved into our neighborhood? So we finally get together and he walks up and I'm like, Mr. Terry, I've lost, like he loves to tell the story. I lost the truck. I don't know where the truck is. And I'm sure in his mind, he's like, my daughter married a man who lost my truck in the woods. Perfect. But you know, here's the point of the story and it gets told every Christmas and every Thanksgiving. (laughs) Here's the point of the story my father-in-law doesn't like to tell. But I remember it well, the moment that I realized my put together gets it right all the time. Mr. Governor's Board of Bankers also forgot his flashlight. (laughs) He didn't have a light either. So we're both in the woods and it's dark, no light. And so by God's grace, the overcast, clouds literally you can ask him this moved out of the way and the and the moon begins to shine we begin to see just enough and what we did is we began to walk every trail in those woods as far as we could go both directions until about 45 minutes later we almost walk into the truck like literally there it is there's the truck and we were so happy to find the truck and for a moment I thought maybe he's cool and then like we're going down the road and he's like I can't believe you lost the truck you know what I mean mean, (laughs) you lost the truck Here's the deal, though. We needed light, because you don't know where to go without the light. You need some light, man. You will go down so many wrong paths if you don't have the light of Jesus in your life. Not only does it guide, though, it exposes. Here's a function of what Jesus and his word does in our lives that's so crucial. It exposes, and we need exposure. We really do. We live in darkness. We need exposure. Christians, we need ongoing exposure, right, right? The Bible is not just a document that you read. It will read you if you let it. It's a mirror. Jesus will light up deeply into your life. Listen to what Hebrews 4.12 says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Folks, God knows you better than you know you. Uh, Let me prove it to you. Haven't we all said, I don't know why I just said that. God says, I do. I don't know why I did that. God knows. Because he knows you better than you do. And you have this unbelievable access to a God who can x-ray your heart for you. few years ago my son got injured playing football we knew he was like my arm hurts but he's tough and he's like, I think it's fine and then the next day it's still hurting him and we could just it wasn't bruised bad but you just kind of see it didn't look right so we're like you know what we can't see what we can't see so we had to take him get an x-ray had a hairline fracture in his arm had to put a cast on it had to fix it we wouldn't have seen that on our own we had to have someone who could look deeply to tell us what's really going on That is the truth for every single one of us. Folks, we simply are not good on our own. We need the light of Jesus to expose who we really are. We can't do marriage without Jesus or not well. We can't do parenting without Jesus. We can't make it through this life and live the full life of joy that he promised us without his light exposing what's really going on. In fact, King David so valued this part of what Jesus does in our lives that he began to ask God to do it. Look what he said in Psalm 139. He prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. David is admitting he didn't even know his own heart. And then he said, try me and know my thoughts. How many of you can relate? David's like, I don't even know why I think the way I think sometimes. Have have, any of you ever been there? I got five people being honest today. Everyone else? (laughs) hmm. Right? David says, I don't know my heart and I don't even know my own mind. God, search me. He is inviting, he is asking God for the MRI, for the x-ray, to tell him what's really going on. And we need that as well, because you simply cannot do it on your own. I've gone to the Word before and had my quiet time and fully intent on praying for God to change someone else's heart. Because they needed it. And I was sure of it. And then I read the Word and he's like, no, you're, you're... the heart problem here buddy you're the one with the problem and uh which is why i stopped reading the bible years ago i just don't even want to read it anymore no that's the exposure that we need right look if your god always agree with agrees with you you made him you know that right if your god always agrees with you you made him build you a little statue make him however you want to make him look he's not the god of the bible The voice of the great I am, the light of the world, the voice that said it is finished on the cross and said let there be light at creation, will not have you boss him around. So he tells you. He exposes you. He tells you what's going on. But he doesn't just expose you and leave you hanging. Here's what I love too. Jesus, through his word, will expose, but then he instructs. He says, here's the problem and here's what to do about it. Haven't you had people around you that all they can see is the problem? And they will tell you the problem, but they never have a solution. As a pastor, I'm blessed to have many people like that in my life at times. <laughs> oh, they know everything we should not be doing. And they are like, well, what should we do? I don't know. That's your job, pastor. Okay. Right? We all have that. Well, God does not just say, here's your problem, good luck. He says, no, no, I will instruct you. In fact, Jesus said the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives that he sends, God the Spirit, is to do this very thing. In John 14, 26, he's talking to his disciples. He says, the helper. I love that Jesus called the Holy Spirit our helper. How about that? The God of the universe, omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient, and omnipresent. Listen, is your helper Come on now. That's unbelievable. And here's how he helps us. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. He will instruct you. All things. And here's how he will do it. He will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. You got your Bible because God, The Spirit of God inspired writers to give you the Word of God, and Jesus uses the Word of God by His Spirit illuminating it to expose and to direct and to instruct us. It's a beautiful thing that we have here. Oh, yeah, so we put lights on the trees. We light them up. We put the stars and all that stuff out because we celebrate this truth that He's the light of the world, and we need Him to instruct us and to tell us what we need to do and then finally he nurtures us with his word it is our spiritual nutrition Jesus the light of the world like light does you know light's actually good for you I mean how many of you are tired of the fog in our immediate area those of you that are at one of our campuses if you're online right now watching from some clear blue sky breezy place where you can actually see more than three feet in front of you we just want to say bless you Because here in our immediate area where our campuses are, we've not seen anything in a long time. It's amazing the (laughs) thickness of our fog right now. Something else. But God's light nourishes us. Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word, God's word, which John said is Jesus in word, nourishes us, grows us, nurtures us. And many of us today, frankly, are Christians who are malnourished, like your body can get malnourished, your spirit can. And some of us are so thirsty, so hungry, and at Christmas I would just remind you, you don't have to stay that way. If you're a believer, you have access to the well that never runs dry and the bread of life. Eat and drink, my friends, and have joy, because Jesus is the light that nourishes us. How many of you know that if you have a plant in the backyard that never gets any sunlight, it will die? Light is good, and we need it. Now, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. John says Jesus is the light, and, and, and the gospel writer John said that John the Baptist was not the light. He just came to direct us to the light, right? And Jesus himself said in verse 12 of chapter 8, we read it earlier, he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they'll have the light of life. So what's, what's all of this mean? It means, look... We as believers who know about this, the light, we are called to reflect the light of Jesus. We are to become reflectors of his light. It is our job. It is our responsibility, joyfully, to reflect the light of Jesus everywhere we go. That's what we are supposed to do. Now, let me tell you how we do it. And remember, we're like John the Baptist. John, John was not the light, He was showing us who the light was. So, like Jesus is like our son. Here's a picture I got with my iPhone the other day. I'm a really good photographer, and no, that is a telescope image, but that's the sun. The sun produces light. It is this whole wonderful combustion thing that's happening that God made. Jesus made your son, by the way. The voice that cried out, it is finished. The voice that said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, is the voice that made that. So there's Jesus producing the light. We are not the sun. We are this guy. We're the moon. We reflect. We're like moons, Jesus, our sun. We reflect his light. And in doing so, we too punch little holes in the darkness. In every kind deed we do do and every time we love someone well and every time we take care of a child or an elderly person or the widow or the person who's hurting and every time we pray for someone and dare for someone and everything we do that reflects the light of Jesus we punch our own holes in the darkness and Jesus said in Matthew 5 we shouldn't be people who light a lamp and put it under a basket we should put it on a stand let it give light to the whole house In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God who is in heaven. Folks, we are to be like the moon to the sun. We're supposed to be reflecting who Jesus is. And my challenge to us today is we stood in awe of the theology of the light of the world. Now we understand our relationship to him. He is lighting us up so that the world sees who he is. We're the moon. We reflect his light to the world. And we do it imperfectly. We're not the light. We reflect the light. And when we do, we punch our own holes in the darkness. My challenge to you today is to write down on that piece of paper, if you will, what are you going to do to punch your hole in the darkness? What's your life going to open up for people to see in Christ? How will you punch a hole in the darkness? That's who we're called to be. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word and your light. Celebrate it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.